Our fellowship matters. Sometimes we overestimate or maybe underestimate, more likely, the importance of our fellowship, the importance of our relationships. I'd like to ask you to turn your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. We're continuing our study through the book of Romans. And uh, in chapter 14, we've covered the first 11 verses already. And he began by saying, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things, not to argue over non-essentials. In verses 12 through 23, the Apostle Paul is going to lay out for us the importance of our fellowship. It's amazing to me how we can, and in churches all around the country, they've allowed something non-essential to split the church. Now there has to be some submission on all sides, obviously. Whenever we refuse to submit to the will of the Lord, we are being self-centered, we are submitting to our own will, and that will cause problems. Leaders are not immune to this. As a matter of fact, leaders can fall prey to this. They can think that they're God's representative, and based on that, that no one should question them, that no one should um, be close with them. I have pastor friends who are not close to their congregation because they don't want to have familiarity with them. But if you read the text of the Scripture, the Scripture teaches that we as believers in Jesus Christ are united in the gospel. Brother and sister mean something. It means something. And unfortunately, we live in such a divisive day. Everything is from reality television to the news to everything, sports. There's, there's an infusion of division for drama. The church should not be that way. The church should not be that way. This is the Lord Jesus Christ's church. He is the head of the church. And we must be submissive. And so I know that you've been like you're feeling like you're up and down, but please forgive me, but I just really feel convicted that we stand in honor of God's word as we read it. In Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore... Because, for this reason, because you and I shall give an account of ourselves to God, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. 
For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles, or is offended, or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. God, we love you. You're awesome. You alone are worthy to be praised. Jesus, we're so thankful for your dying on the cross for our sins, for rising from the dead, giving us victory over death, hell, and the grave. We worship you because you deserve it. And Lord, we come before you asking you that these few moments that you would speak to us from your word. May we get what you're teaching us, Lord. May it be put to use in our lives and may we be salt and light. May we submit our wills to your will. Oh God, have your will and your way in us. Move in us. Do something incredible for your honor and your glory. And Lord, as I always ask you, I ask you for help. For clarity of thought, enable me to preach this message for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Because of the gospel, our fellowship matters. We cannot under, understate the gospel and the effects of the gospel. Far too many people believe that the gospel is a one-time event you hear and you're saved. But those of us that are growing in our faith and knowing, we know that the gospel is essential to everything we do. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was buried and he rose from the grave, you and I can read this word. We can understand what the word of the Lord is teaching us. Perhaps there are churches that have split over non-essential things. I know there are. I have friends who have been in churches who have split over non-essential things. What are non-essential things? Non-essential things are not doctrine or things that there's a clear biblical principle. You know, there are a lot of decisions and preferences that we have and that we make that are not biblical principles. Now, there are principles about making decisions that we understand, but there are a lot of things that it it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's non-essential. And many people once worshipped and served in thriving churches that now no longer even attend churches, no longer worship because they were hurt by someone in the church over a non-essential, over something that's irrelevant, something that doesn't matter. The, let's just take, let me just illustrate something for you. Let's take music. Music is volatile in certain church areas. And Certain styles are preferred one over the other. But the Bible never tells us in Scripture 
that we are to prefer one music style over another. It doesn't give you the style of the Bible. There is no music style. Now, we can read something, and some people say, well, pastor's too loud. Well, did you know that the psalmist said, play the cymbals loudly? And that's the Bible. Well, you know, it's too fast. It's too, you know, somebody was telling me, you know, all music, if it's going to be scriptural, has to be on a 2-4 beat or something like that. And I'm like, I don't even know what 2-4 beat is. I know when I know when I know when uh, I know when music sounds good and I know when it doesn't. But what I think sounds good, you may think sounds terrible. And so a lot of churches have been split over the preference of music. A lot of pastors have been very, very uh, what's the word I want to say? Very offensive over their demand to have their style of music in the church. And it's a non-essential. I think you and I are really going to be surprised when we get to heaven at the worship in heaven. It's not limited to our side of kind of way of thinking. There will be people worshiping from every kindred, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And it's going to be something to behold our Savior. You see, we have major problems when we put our preferences above our relationships with each other. Somehow we've allowed the devil to cause divisions in our relationships over these non-essential preferences. Two things happen when we do this. First of all, we generally destroy the weaker brother or sister. And you see that in the text. I would say that the United States of America, just take that as an example, United States of America, every state is littered with men and women who were once in a church and they were hurt by someone who they considered to be a stronger or mature Christian over a non-essential thing. Now when I say, secondly, I would say this, let me say this, we do harm to the work of God. He says that in our text. Do not destroy the work of God. How do you destroy the work of God? Well, you can't stop the work of God, but you can destroy our testimony of the work of God in this place. As a matter of fact, Jesus told the disciples, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. If you don't have that love, then wouldn't you think and wouldn't it stand to reason the opposite of that is that we would be destroying or harming our testimony and that people would not know that we're believers because of our division in the church? Certainly. And again, I say this because I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you because I believe that there are many ministers who have been the leading behind this. They're bully pulpit and they have taken and they have done that. It applies to me as much as it applies to you. And Paul continues his original thought by arguing that our relationship and our fellowship around the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is essential. And therefore, we cannot let the non-essentials destroy our fellowship and our relationship over these non-essentials. So Paul lays out a wonderful, I guess, I guess you would say a wonderful plan that we can avoid falling in this trap of allowing the non-essentials to divide us, that we keep our fellowship red hot, our relationship primarily intact 
Because it's important, and Paul knows this. Paul understands this. Paul was the one who was standing between the Jews and the Gentiles, both who had come to faith in Christ, both it was a new venture to them. The Jews bring all this religious baggage with them, and the Gentiles brought all of this heresy and all of this idolatry baggage with them. And now they're in the same congregation. And Paul stands in between them trying to tell them, listen, more than all of that baggage, your relationship and your fellowship is more important. I said this Sunday night in our Sunday school class, and I mean it, and it's the truth. You and I carry baggage from the first ministry under which we were saved. You don't even realize it. You have, and it may not be to you baggage, but you carry things that they did in that ministry that you thought were sacred and that it's hard for you even coming to our church may be indifferent for you because we don't do the same things here that was happening in that ministry. But I tell you this, our relationships matter more than all of that. Because our relationship and our fellowship sends the signal that we are Christ followers. Jesus said that is the identifying mark. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. That is the identifying mark of the disciple. Not running around beating everybody over the head with your family Bible. No. So what does Paul say the reasons that we should not pass judgment on these non-essentials or that we should not become a stumbling block and allow division to separate us in the church. What are the reasons he gives? Well, first of all, number one, we're accountable unto God. He goes to the main reason. Verse 12, we all are accountable unto God. You are accountable to God for yourself, and I am accountable to God for myself. You will stand on what you have done in the name of Christ alone I will stand on what I have done. You won't stand on what I have done. I won't stand on what you have done. Therefore, I have enough mess in my life that I should be confessing my sin. I should be walking with the Lord daily, realizing that I too am going to face this judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ and worrying about making sure that myself is right rather than looking at all the little quirky things you do you know, looking around with my two before hanging out of my eye, trying to get the speck of dust out of yours, hitting everybody in the head with a two before. When we pass judgment on our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're playing God. Now, let me just do this. Now, the Bible does teach that the spiritual man judges all things. In other words, that means discernment. You have discernment as a believer. I should do this. I shouldn't do that. I should look at this. I should say this. That's called discernment. In the text here when he talks about judging, he is talking about when you make an assumption based on someone's spirituality on the externals. You don't have the right to do that. I remember when I was at Abundant Life Baptist Church, we had a class called the Disciples Class. There was about 30 or 40 couples in there. Uh, one of the couples invited their friends to come to church that day. And in walked this man. And I say this, I'm not bragging about this, I say this in... in uh, uh, well, I'm very disappointed in myself. I remember having the thought when he came in, he had a long ponytail. When he came in, I remember thinking, God's brought him here so I can help him. All the arrogance in my heart. No, God brought that man there to help me. 
because he and I became very close, and I realized that his heart was as pure as gold, and I had no right to judge him based on that ponytail. We pass judgment on people, and we don't know what is in the heart of that individual. We don't know what that person's been through or what they're going through now. And when we pass judgment on them, we are playing God. We are stepping in the role of God because the Scripture teaches me and tells me that all judgment has been given to the Son, Jesus Christ. So therefore, I do not have the right to look at you in the things that you do that are non-essential and say, he's a weirdo. Or he's not spiritual or she's not spiritual because they do this or they listen to this kind of music. I was leading the teens one time and I had a person speak about music. I thought we were going to talk about, you know, those, those uh, musics that, music that had immoral lyrics and things like that that teenagers would be drawn to, the rap that has the cussing in the country and all that. You know, and um, this person comes in and just really lays it out for them that they shouldn't, you know, there's a certain kind of Christian music they should be listening to. And then I happened to ride home with that individual. I needed a ride, and I rode home. We got in the car, and we got in the car, turned on the radio, or the car started, and his radio was on a station that had that kind of music that I was asking him to speak about. But he went there and said that all oh, this church music can only be piano music, can only be certain pitch and all this. And I thought, these teenagers are like, what? You know, I'm still back in the days where they had backward masking, you know, where they play it backwards and, you know, rock and roll had a, they had supposed to have had a, an evil message. Some of you older folks remember that. They went and tried to do that with country and they played it backwards and the guy got his car back, his dog, and his house. And, um, but um, anyways... None of us really knows what the other person's going through. When we look at someone and make a judgment about the non-essentials in their life, you don't know why they do what they do. And I have found, and I just want to be honest with you, I have found in my life certain things that bother me in my life I easily spot in someone else's life. And remember when you were growing up, be careful when you point the finger at someone else because you have what? Yes, three pointed back at you. I do know this. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know that I will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and I will give a, an account for all of my actions. I'm responsible for myself. And the fact that I'm going to stand before God should motivate me to worry about myself being right with God, not nitpicking you over non-essentials. And I hope you feel the same way. Secondly, we're to put our, our others above ourselves. Look at verse uh, 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but re rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. It's, a, it's amazing to me. He follows up, so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, that therefore is tied to giving an account of ourselves. The reason that we put others before ourselves is we're going to give an account of God for doing that. Do you know what the opposite of love for others is? Selfishness. Do you know what our world under the control of the devil and the flesh promotes in our lives? Selfishness. Why? Because it's the opposite of love. Why? Because the devil knows that we have been commanded to operate in love. 
If God is love, it's not what God does, it's who He is. If He is love and we reflect the character of God and we don't love, then we're sending the wrong message. The Bible tells us that when I put my preferences above my relationship with you, that is selfishness and that is a sin. We have liberty in Christ, however... I am not to use that liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but I am commanded through love to serve one another. My liberty in Christ is about serving you in love. Galatians 5.13 is what teaches that. If my preferences are causing you to stumble and I have disregard for a relationship that goes against what scriptures teach, then I'm wrong. And if, my, if I have the attitude, well, he'll just have to grow up and get over it, then I'm wrong. I'm not putting your needs above others. Let me give you an example. Because this happened to me. Let's say I have a brother in Christ and he and I are going to go to eat. And he has a stance in his life that he will not eat in any establishment that sells open liquor. And the reason he won't do that is he was saved from a life of running bars and he doesn't even want to be around it because he had a problem with alcohol and he's tempted by it. Well, let's just say I go and pick him up and I take him knowing this and I say, oh, he'll be all right, I'll be with him, nothing's going to happen. And I take him to this place where they serve open liquor. And he's already bothered by the fact that he knows that I know his stance, and I disregarded how he feels about it and his struggle with it, and I take him anyways. And we get there, and I tell him, you're just going to have to grow up in the faith. How do you think that makes him feel? How do I get my brother and take him to a restaurant that he feels if he goes there, will goes against his conscience and will cause him to be tempted and stumble? How can I claim the name of Jesus Christ and say, I love my brothers and sisters like I should and I'm putting your needs before mine and I do something like that? Well, you might say it's time for him to grow up. No, Paul says it's time for you out of love to grow up. He says it's time for you, the stronger, to help the weaker. Out of love, you avoid this place for his sake. You put his needs, his need to be right with the Lord and not violate his conscience over the need of your fleshly desires of eating at that restaurant. It's just an example. And I say that because it happened to me. I would eat anywhere. Alcohol doesn't bother me. I'm not tempted by it. It doesn't bother me one bit. I can go eat at an establishment that sells that. It does not bother me one bit. But I know there are people who are. Who are bothered by it. And then they're not saying that they're self-righteous and they're better than everybody. They're telling me, man, I struggle with that life. I don't want to return to that life. And any part of it might cause me to stumble. You say, well, I have right to do whatever. And nobody's going to tell me what to do. You're foolish. And you're acting like a child. Because everybody tells you what to do. If you don't believe me, go through Hanging Rock at 75 mile an hour. I set the cruise control. 
and someone says, the car's flying by, and they never get pulled over. I said, yeah, but the one time I do, I will get pulled over. And if I set my cruise control, I don't have to worry about it. And then I set my cruise control, and I'm in la-la land, and I drive all the way to Wheelersburg, forgetting that it changed 70. Just, you know, anyone else done that? Hallelujah. Thank you. There's some sane people in here. <clears throat> we're, to put our, our, we're to put others above ourselves. You know what joy, the acronym for joy is? J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. You will become the most miserable Christian if you're always putting yourself before everyone else. You will be most miserable. Number three, we're to operate by spiritual principles in verses 16 through 18. He says, therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. The things that you have, that you do in your consciousness clear doing, and you know that it's not bad, it's not wrong, but yet it's an offense to someone else and you do it, you're causing your good to be spoken evil of. Look at verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because of the gospel, we operate on a total different plane than the world operates. We operate on the plane of spirituality. The Holy Spirit controlling us, living in us, leading us, guiding us, directing us. That's why we're called to be filled with the Spirit of God. And our good can be spoken evil of when we operate in the flesh. Why? Because the flesh is always going to put you and your desires first. The flesh always wants you to get before someone else gets. Growing up, people used to tell us, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Culture today says, do unto others before they do it unto you. There's a big shift that's taking place. The kingdom of God in which we are a part of operates by the power of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual takes precedence over the physical. Righteousness, peace, and joy means more than having our physical desires met. But yet, even in our churches, we're focusing more on the physical than we are the spiritual. We have to gratify the flesh. That's why we're going to change the way we do things. It's not enough. It's not enough to stand and open up the Bible and preach the Bible. It's boring. The Bible's not boring if you read it. Remember, we belong to Jesus Christ who purchased us with his blood. And when we serve him in these things, look at verse 18. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. When we serve him in these things, spiritual things, it's pleasing and acceptable to God and it's approved, we won't, i.e. we won't offend our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we operate by spiritual principles. We understand our fellowship matters. October the 9th, we're going to have our, what used to be called old-fashioned day, but uh, now it's just a, fa- uh, just a fall family day. And we'll have church here, and Brother Keith Matheny will preach. And then at 1 o'clock, we're going to go back up to the, the church camp, and we're going to have a, a big fellowship dinner. And you know, it's not just something we do. But when we all come together and we all sit together and we all encourage and build each other up, that's a biblical thing. 
And many of you work out in the world and you're around people perhaps that are not believers in Christ throughout the week. And you need more fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We operate by a whole set of different principles, spiritual principles. And that's why the world led by the devil is going to be against us. And they're going to attack us. And listen to me. You can stand for the authority of the word of God in the name of Jesus Christ without being a jerk. You can stand without moving on the principles of the word of God and not be a jerk. We operate by spiritual principles because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of the Holy Spirit that's working in us as a result of our believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit come, came into our lives and, and dwelt us. And when we're filled with His presence, when we're filled with His Spirit, then we can operate by these spiritual principles. But you can't operate by the spiritual principles always gratifying the flesh. Number four. We pursue peace and edification of each other. Look with me in verse 19, please. And there's another therefore. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which by one may edify another. We strive to promote peace and build each other up. Edify means to build up each other. Unfortunately, there are some in the work of Christ who feel that they have been called to tear down other people. Hear me out. You cannot build yourself up by tearing someone else down. You cannot build yourself, you can't build someone else up, and you can't build yourself up or anyone up, for that matter, by tearing someone else down. The church is the place where we come to build each other up, not tear it apart. Just like marriage, cleave, an Old Testament word. That cleave means glued together. It's like two pieces of paper being glued together. And when you tear that paper apart, there's damage. You and I have been united in Christ by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are glued together. Why do you think that Christ chose marriage to symbolize the union between the church and himself. Because we're glued together. We're glued together. And any time there's a tearing apart of that, there will be pain, there will be difficulty, and there will be damage. Let me tell you something. Our, our society has lost track of this, and we need to start teaching this at an early age. All your relationships matter. And when you are torn from someone in a relationship, there will be pain and there will be damage. Especially in something as sincere and as, as important as is Christ's church. We should not tear the work of Christ up over non-essentials. Look at verse 20. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Now, food is not the issue. Food is an example in the text. Remember I said Paul stood between 
the Jews who had dietary laws and all these other laws and the Gentiles, now they're together in one. We find in Galatians that Peter is confronted by Paul. Peter was with these Gentiles and he was living as a Gentile, ministering to them and he was eating things that were not uh, approved by the dietary restrictions of the Old Testament law. And the council came and, and uh, Peter separated him from himself and he became a hypocrite and ate only what the church council wanted. And the apostle Paul confronts, in Galatians, he confronts Peter and he says, Peter, I love how Chuck, Chuck Swindoll says it, I can still smell the ham on your breath. He confronts him and he says, you're a hypocrite. Why do you sit with them and eat? Peter, you of all people, you know in Acts chapter 10. You know that God revealed to you not to call uh, anything that he created unclean. All the dietary restrictions were lifted because of Jesus. Why do you... Why are you one way with them and one way with another? You're a hypocrite. This is exactly what Paul's referring to. Don't destroy the work of Christ. you got this big division over food. It's stupid. Don't let it happen. Don't tear the church up over non-essentials. It's not worth it. And I speak to myself and I tell the deacons and the pastors, listen, guys, don't let's let's guard against not tearing up the church over non-essentials. There are some hills to die on, and there are some things where we don't understand, but it's not unbiblical, so it's okay. You know, I'm thankful for this church. I, I, I this is I normally don't type out my sermon, but I struggle with this so much that I typed out my whole sermon. And I couldn't help but think during my studies, and I put this in my notes for a reason. And and I'm speaking from my heart. I'm thankful for this church. I believe we're above average on this matter. I believe that there's a genuine love in this church for one another. Now, I know sometimes there might be people that get on your nerves, but that's everywhere. But I think there's a genuine love for the most part, and we seek to build each other up. We seek to encourage one another in this church. And let this be an encouragement that together, all of us, that we continue in this endeavor. That we understand that when my brother or sister's hurting, they're hurting. You may think it's all something silly, but they're hurting. Let's love them. Let's build them up. Let's seek peace and build each other up. And, and let's guard against letting the non-essentials, if the non-essentials start tearing the church apart, it will have, there are consequences and there are results of that. And we don't want to go there. And so I say this in closing. Number five, we must remember our faith is between us and God. Your relationship with Jesus is between you and him. If your convictions about something, again, I'm not talking about something that is absolutely a biblical principle. I'm talking about preferential things. If your convictions about something is non-essential, is different than someone else's, keep it to yourself. 
That's the best way to have peace. If you feel that you must tell someone on, on tell someone about that or them and what they're doing, tell Jesus. That's the easiest way to do it. If you tell Jesus, he'll know about it. He'll know how you feel. You'll feel bitter for, for telling someone, and it won't disrupt the church. You and I are not called by God to make people just like us. And this is where the church has gotten off in the last few years. They want a cookie-cutter approach to everyone. They want everyone to be just like them. That's why we have all these different schools of thought, these different denominations, because we take a non-essential and we want them to be like we are. Hey, we're called to point people to be like Jesus. We're called for ourselves to be like Jesus. We're not called to make people look like us. I believe God loves variety. Could you imagine how miserable this world was if everyone looked like me, talked like me, and act like me? You didn't have to express it, Bill. I said imagine, not... I'm just kidding. But it's interesting. God has made people in all different shapes and sizes, and it, it always cracks me up. God made us this way, and we spend the majority of our life trying to change the way God made us. Why don't we just accept who we are in Christ and, and, and accept it and believe it? I really believe that there are some people who have been hurt deeply by someone else forcing their personal convictions on them that were just opinions, not the Bible. I mean really hurt, hurt to the point where they don't even attend church. Weekly, I run into people who are not in church and they have no desire to go back to church because they can tell me something that someone did to them in church. The whole point of this teaching is that we realize that, that in the church, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And each of us are all at different maturity levels. We cannot tear the work of God apart over non-essential things. Because the gospel, because of the glorious gospel, we can stand and we should in the power of the Holy Spirit and promote peace and build each other up biblically. You can be an encouragement. You have a part in it. I have a part in it. We're not our own. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And your brother and sister belongs to Jesus Christ. And when you go after them, you're going after his creation. And let me tell you something. There will be consequences. If you feel that you must go after someone over a non-essential, I would caution you to stop and pray. And reread this text. Galatians chapter 6 says, If a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. And you are to go in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also fall into temptation. What is the scripture saying? 
The scripture is saying if you love your brother and sister in Christ and you see them, fault there can be identified as something going against the scriptures, something that's not contrary or something that's contrary to the testimony of the word of God, then you in love go to them in the spirit of meekness. You don't go there in an the attitude of arrogance. I'm not doing this, you are. But you go in the spirit of love. Hey, listen, I love you, man, and I've noticed this, and I hope I'm wrong, and please forgive me. But the Bible says this, and I notice you're doing this. Can we, can we, can we work on this together? Can I help you? As the pastor over years, people would come to me and tell, you know, so-and-so's doing this. What are you going to do about it? My response is, I'm not going to do nothing, anything about it. I didn't know they were doing that. And the Bible says, you know they're doing, and you are the one that's supposed to go to them. You're, nowhere does the Bible say you come tell the pastor. The problem is, they were too chicken to stand up to them. They wanted me to do it. And then they were going to say, oh, yeah, well, I intervened. You know? No. No, 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 no. If we're going to do it, let's do it biblical. If not, let's not do it. So the point I want to make is this. Our fellowship matters. Our relationship matters. And guys, I, I'm telling you, I, I want to say this, and, and I mean this kindly, and I'm not nitpicking. I think I'm right on this. You may consider it a non-essential, but I think it's destroying, being much more destructive. I'm, I'm backing away from social media. The only social media I have is, is Facebook. I'm backing away from it because of the drama and the things on there. It's not edifying. It's, it's a wasting of time. I have found myself, I started reading again. I used to be an avid reader, and I'd stop reading. And I found the number one thing that was keeping me from reading was wasting time on social media. Why? Because I got little chunks of information. I didn't have to focus for long periods of a time. And now I'm stopping. So if you need me, I'll make sure you have my phone number. Because if you put something on Facebook, I may not see it for a couple of days. Because frankly, I, I, I'm just really to the point where I don't even care about it anymore. And it's a drag to me. Relationships are suffering in our land. And I, I don't want that to happen in our church. I don't want someone to come say, hey, did you see what so-and-so did? on?" No, I don't want to. I don't want to. And that's my personal conviction. I'm not putting that on you. I'm telling you to say this. I'm telling you to say this. Your relationships matter. Our fellowship matters. And I think we need to return to loving and building each other up. And, I, and I, as I said earlier, I think we're pretty good at doing it at this church, but we could probably do better. We could probably do better. So where do we go from here? Well, I think what it's, we, go back, we go back to what he said in the beginning. Verse number 13. I love Paul. Paul gives a solution many times in the beginning. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. Not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. My, my uh, call to you this morning would be this. Right in the still fullness, right there where you sit this morning, would you ask the Lord, or sometime today, God help me to resolve in my heart not to, not to be a stumbling block or a cause of someone to fall because of these non essential things, for any reason for that matter. That's the spirit. You see, the spirit of this is that I fix myself, that I don't fix you. As the theologian Rick Williams would say, I'll sweep my porch, you sweep yours. 
Or I could quote the theologian Harry Mayhew. You watch your bobber, I'll watch mine. Those were very good, those were very good pithy sayings that remind us that I am accountable to God for what I do, and you are accountable to God for what you do. Father, we love you.